lessons, amen. I can get this thing to work. If you have your Bibles tonight, we're interested in the book of Luke. The book of Luke, chapter number 21 this evening. Luke, chapter number 21. I know you've stood to your feet, and you've sat there, and you've stood to your feet, and you've sat there, and you've stood to your feet. We don't rightly know what to do, but we're going to stand to our feet again because his word, amen, tonight we want to reverence it. Luke 21, I want to read the first four verses of this chapter, a very familiar passage. Luke 21 and verse number one. And he looked up and saw the rich men casting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow casting in thither two mites. And he said, of a truth I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast in more than they all. For all these have of their abundance cast in unto the offerings of God. But she of her penury hath cast in all the living that she had. From these verses tonight, I believe the Lord would have us focus on this thought. Giving your all to Jesus. Father, would you touch us tonight? Help us fall that we might see as you see that we might love as you love. Father, would you open this text tonight, Father, and would you show us truths and remind us of truths, Father, and help us in the days to come. Encourage hearts tonight, Lord Jesus. We thank you for what you're doing, and we ask your blessing in Jesus' name, and all God's people say, amen. amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Now, this event in Luke 21 took place in the last week of Jesus' life before the cross, probably on about Tuesday. Do you remember on Sunday, Jesus come riding on a lowly donkey into Jerusalem. And the Bible says the people began to wave palm branches and say, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And the Bible says that he went on in and he got to the temple and he looked round about. Then on Monday, he came back into the city and he went into the temple and the Bible says he overthrew the tables of the money changers and he begins to drive them out. And then on Tuesday, the Bible says that he gets back up and he comes back to the city and as he does, he's going to go to the temple for the last time before he dies on the cross. And he gets challenged he is met by three different delegations who are trying to challenge him. The first delegation was a delegation of the scribes and the chief priests and the elders led by Annas and Caiaphas. And they came in, they were mad that Jesus had overthrown the tables of the money changers and driven them out. And they said, look with me in Luke 20. They said in verse 2, by what authority doest thou these things? Or who is it that gave thee this authority? Well, honey, I'll tell you. I'll answer the question. He's the son of God. At his father's house, he has the authority. But he answered their question with a question and defeated their counsel. And then there was a second delegation that came. The Pharisees and the Herodians. The Bible tells us those in verse 20 through 25, and they came and they said, uh, is it lawful for us to give tribute to Caesar or not? Jesus asked them a question. He said, whose image 
and superscription is on the penny that you have there. And they said Caesar's. He said, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and render to God the things that are God's. Amen. And he defeated their counsel. Then thirdly, in verses 27 through 28, look at verse 27. The Bible says, there came to him certain of the Sadducees, which deny that there is any resurrection. That's why they're sad, you see. They don't believe in the resurrection. And they come up with a fanciful story. They say, uh, Jesus, uh, there was a man that had six brothers, seven of them total, and the first one got married, but before he could have a child, he died, and so his brother married the woman. And before they could have a child, he died, and so the third one, married the woman. And before they could have a child, he died. And then the fourth one married the woman. And before they could have a child, he died. And then the fifth one married the woman. And before they could have a child, he died. And then the sixth one married the woman. And before they could have a child, he died. And then the seventh one, Lord God, if I'd been the seventh one, I'd have run the other way just as fast as I could, amen. But he married the other woman and then he died before they could have children. And they, listen, they said in the resurrection... Look at verse 33. In the resurrection, whose wife of them is she? For seven had her to wife. Now these boys don't even believe in a resurrection. And they're asking him this question, amen, which was amazing. It's just foolish. It's just, a, it's just chatter that's trying to upset Jesus as he heads into the temple. Lord God, have you ever tried to... Get, have the devil try to get you distracted before you came in the house of God to praise him, before you came in the house of God to preach, before you got in to sing? Have you ever been challenged? Have, have anybody ever tried to uh, run, run, run and you right over before you get into the house of God? And Jesus defeated them. He said, listen, he said that we're going to be uh, not given in marriage. Listen, you're going to be married to Jesus Christ, Amen. He's going to be your groom and you're going to be the bride for every single one of us. And in chapter 21 comes across and the Bible says he looked up. Now that's amazing. That's amazing that Jesus, who's high, holy, and mighty, had to look up. But I'll be honest with you, he's about, he's about tired and weary because of these delegations that he's run into. He's getting ready to give his life. What a demanding and stressful week that he's going to have and he's faced with all this frivolous chatter. It's amazing. And I believe he sat down and he was over against the treasury and I believe he looked up to see what was going on there that day. There are three things tonight that I believe that we need to consider. Number one, let us consider the Lord's examination. He looked up. He's examining what's going on. And he saw, which is to observe carefully and thoughtfully. He's paying close attention that day to the gifts and the givers. The rich men are casting their gifts into the treasury. Now the treasury at the temple is in what is known as the court of the women. It is 200 feet by 200 feet. There are 13 offering baskets in that place. They are all shaped like a shofar, uh, like a trumpet, if you will. And they're placed in that 200 by 200 court in different places. Nine of those uh, baskets, those gift baskets, uh, are, are for going straight to the temple. The other four are used as just general love offerings in themselves. 
And many times the rich people when they came, uh, when they walked up to give, they would give in more than one of those receptacles. They may give in all 13. And did you know they would blow a trumpet? Here comes noble Darren, ready to give his offering. And they'd watch you go and drop in your offering in all 13 of the receptacles. I'm telling you, that got Jesus' attention as they were blowing the trumpets, watching the rich men and the royalty come in and give towards the temple. And the Bible begins to tell us here in verse 2, he saw also a certain poor widow casting in thither two mites. So hear the trumpet is sounding before the prominent and the preeminent and the powerful of that day. And they're giving out of their abundance. You can imagine the pride and you can imagine how they were depositing their Lord's gifts, wanting everyone to be impressed, wanting everyone to notice what they're giving. And all of a sudden, the trumpet quits sounding. And all you hear is the shuffling of some little feet of a little lady that walks up to one of the receptacles and she takes two mites and throws them in the little treasury and she shuffles her feet away. This woman's name is not mentioned. She's unnamed. She's poor, penniless, humble, small. She probably thought herself to be very insignificant, but... She stood out to Jesus. She's a widow. She has no husband. And if her children don't help her, I don't know if she has it or not, but she has no future of gain. She has no hope for any other income to be received for her. And the Bible says she cast in two mites. I could read out of Mark's gospel. The Bible said, two mites which make a farthing. I began to study that. Did you know that a farthing is the least amount that they said you're allowed to give in that day. How much is a farthing? I studied this out as well. Any of y'all got a penny? A farthing is one-eighth of a penny. Not Listen, that is 0.125, of one penny is what she put in the offering that very day. So I'm talking about two mites. So one mite would be worth one sixteenth. I'm a math, math teacher. One mite is one sixteenth. Two mites is one eighth. Twelve and a half percent of a penny. She could have been humiliated. She could have been ashamed. No doubt when the trumpet stopped blowing, everybody heard the shuffling of her, of her feet coming across the corridor of that court. And they began to watch her to see what she was going to throw in to that treasury that day. She is sweet. She is sincere. She is simple. And they're making light of her. My Bible says, according to what I read, Jesus never spoke a word to her, though he spoke about her. He said, he called his disciples. He said, of a truth, I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast in more than all they. The Lord's examination. Can I say it like this? God doesn't see it. 
the way you see it. Man looks on the outward appearance, the, 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 the prominence and the preeminence and the trumpet sound. And we, we wow, they, those men gave as if God would sing praises to them for their gift. Do you understand? But God doesn't see it the way men see it. As far as we know, this woman never realized what Jesus said about her. Now you're going to hold your place here and you're not going to lose Luke 21. But we're going to go over to Revelations chapter number 3. Revelations chapter number 3. Help us Jesus. Here we go. The Bible says in Revelations 3, the Lord is having John write letters to the Lord's churches. Unto the angel, verse 1, of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works. Thou hast a name that thou livest and art dead. You got a name that you live. You've got a great name, church at Sardis. You, you've got people that attend your church. You, you've got singing. You've got preaching. Uh, you've got people testifying. It's a great church. And he says, I know all about it. There's a lot of people. You've got flashing lights and everybody knows you're an active church. But Jesus said, I don't see it the way everybody else sees it. You've got a name that's your life, but you're dead. And when Jesus says, you're dead, you're dead. I didn't come tonight to put on an act. I didn't come tonight to put on a show. I didn't come up here to entertain y'all. I came up here to declare the truth of the word of God. And he wants us to be real with him. He was not deceived by those rich men and their riches. He did not see it the way men see it. Looking out the outward appearance, he saw that this woman, she gave more than all of them did that day. Look with me a little further in this chapter. In chapter number three, a little bit further down in verse number 17. There's another church at Laodicea. They've got singing and preaching and all these things going on. Jesus says in verse 17, You say, I'm rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and poor and blind and naked. The Laodicean church represents the end of the church age which I believe we're living in now. And by far and large in part, most of our churches are increased with goods. Most of our churches would say, I'm rich, I've got hundreds of thousands of dollars in the bank, and you won't help anybody in your community. And you say, you don't have need of anything. You're financially stable. You've got a good preacher. You've got a good singing program. You've got all these things going on. But Jesus said, you're not seeing it the way I see it. You're looking at the outward appearance of religion and of church entity. He said, but when I see it, I see that you're wretched. I see that you're miserable. I see that you're poor. I see that you're blind. I see that you're naked. Well, preacher Darren, he's talking about lost people. No, he's not. He's talking to the church. The church who thinks She's got it all worked out. The church thinks that they're doing just fine. 
Honey, I'm telling you, things are not just fine. God sees what we do not see. Again, I think Luke chapter number 18. The Bible tells us, Jesus said two men in verse 10 went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, the other was a publican. The Pharisee, the religious man, he stood and he prayed. He said, God, I thank you that I'm not as other men are. I'm not an extortioner, unjust, or an adulterer, or even as this publican. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possessed. And the publican, the tax collector, the sinner, uh, the person that's looked down upon, the Bible says he was standing afar off. He would not lift up so much as his eyes towards heaven. And he smote upon his breast and he said, God be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalted himself shall be abased. He that humbled himself shall be exalted. You know, God doesn't see things the way we see things. We see death when it comes as being our enemy. But God said, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Again, we look on the outward. God sees the heart. Before I move off of this thought, you may be here tonight. You're going through the most difficult valley of your life. It appears that the shadows and the darkness that surrounds you is overwhelming you and it seems like there's no hope. I'm talking to somebody, I feel it. You feel like there's no way out of this situation. You have tried to fix it. You've done everything you know to do. And when you see it, you're just ready to say, I give up. It's done. And it looks like the hand of God has withdrawn from you. And it looks like he's not going to answer your prayer. And you feel like you are so very alone. He notices the shuffling of your feet and the beating of your heart. And he doesn't see this the way people see this. He doesn't see this the way you see it. He sees this moment as the greatest moment of your life when your faith obtains the blessing right and you're ready to give up and he sees this as the climax, the most greatest event in your life, God doesn't see it the way we see it. And I'm glad. Number two, not only the Lord's examination, but I want to go back to our text. I want to say second of all, the Lord's evaluation. He says, of a truth, this poor widow, she's cast in more than all. They, they, all these have of their abundance cast into the offering of God. But she of her penury, that's her want. She has cast in all her living. He, he's saying, I've sat here and I've watched how men gave. And they're rich. And all they've done is give me a percentage all they've done is give me a tip. Jesus is very aware of stewardship. You know what? He knows how he's blessed them. And he knows if they're giving according to what they're supposed to give or not. May I say this tonight? It's never the amount that you give. It's the attitude that you give with. If giving is not a 
matter of money. It's a matter of the heart. Jesus said, of a truth I say unto you. He, this is the last time he is in the house of God. And he says, she's casting more. How can he possibly say that? Is he foolish? Don't he realize that this man giving his thousands has way outgiven this little woman, given one-eighth of a cent? How in the world could he say that? She get, he, they give out of abundance, but she gives out of adversity. She's giving all that she has. She, Jesus saw her sacrificial gift. Jesus saw her giving everything. They gave out of plenty. She gave out of poverty. It was her life savings. You realize to the Lord, there's a time when, when a nickel is more than $500. Amen? When you give everything that you have. Now, let me say this. This woman has under, come to understand a principle, and you need to get it. Your livelihood does not depend on what's in your pocketbook. Your livelihood depends on the faithfulness of our God. For so many of you, you're allowing this little two-by-four wallet to control your life. It controls what you give, how much you give. It, let me tell you something. Just because you have anything in there, God's blessed you with that. Thank God for it. But you need to remember where it came from. The Lord gave it to you. And the Lord can take it away. I have faith to believe that Job, when he went completely bankrupt, who took care of him? God took care of him when he lost every single thing that he had. You and I need to understand something. This is not about the amount of money that you give. It's about your heart. It's about your attitude. It's about your motive. It's about your faith in the Lord God Almighty. This woman gave everything. Listen, she didn't walk up there and take two mites and give one to the Lord and live off of the other. That'd been pretty good. That's 50% tithe. That's pretty good, preacher Darren. You're trying to take up offering. No, I'm not even interested in passing the plate. I could care less about taking up an offering. I want you to understand something. Your livelihood doesn't depend on those things that are earthly. Your livelihood depends on your attitude and your faith in the God that you serve. You've got to see him bigger than your financial situation. You may say, Preacher Darren, I can't make my rent. Preacher Darren, I can't pay my bills. Preacher Darren, I don't know what I'm going to do. I can at least afford to give. I've got car payments, house payments. I've got rentals. I've got to pay this. Preacher Darren, you have no idea. Honey, I'm going to tell you something. The best thing you'll ever do is trust the Lord. It's not the amount. It's the attitude that you give with. Amen. So the Lord makes his evaluation. Now the disciples there, they're seeing that these rich people gave a lot and they're impressed. But Jesus said, this widow woman has give more. There is nothing that you do that reveals more about your heart than you're giving. Are you giving to the Lord? Thirdly, and I'm done. There's the Lord's exhortation in verse 4 again. He said, these have of their abundance cast into the offering, but she of her penury hath cast in all the living. So she didn't just throw in one mite and keep the other for herself. She threw in both of them. 
And she walked away with nothing. She walked away with nothing but faith, nothing but trust, nothing but hope in the Lord God of glory. Imagine that leaving with absolutely nothing. I want to say this, that he's trying to encourage you little as much when God is in it. Your little two mites may get the job done more than anything else. I was telling him in the prayer room this morning, down at Camp Zion, there was a little, a little young lady, she had married, she came to the altar, she had gotten saved, and, and the girls were in one dorm and the boys were in another, she had gotten saved, and she gave her heart to the Lord, she, she gave every dime to the camp meeting that she had on her, on her being, on her body, in her pocketbook, she gave everything that she had, and she walks up to the altar, and she goes up seven steps to a platform, up seven more steps up there. And she walked up and she said, the Lord has motivated my heart to give, but I don't know what to give. I've given my heart. And you know what? That's all God really wants from you. That's what he, he wants you to give you. He's not interested in the money. The money helps pay the power bill. Thank God for it. And I do believe in that with all my heart. But the Lord wants you to give you. He wants you to give you. That's, that is, that's what he expects us to do, Right? This little girl walks up and she says, the Lord showed me that I've got a ring. I've just gotten married and I treasure it more than anything else. And she took off her ring and she said, I'm going to give it to the camp. If you can pawn it, go pawn it. Whatever you can get for it, use it for the camp for God's glory. The preacher stood there. He was absolutely amazed at what she had just done. Tears flowing down her face. She walked down the steps. And the preacher didn't know rightly what to do. We're not a pawn shop. We don't want to get in this kind of business. And a man, I believe he was from Texas, he jumps up out of the congregation. He began to shout and praise God. I thought, well, that's not her husband. Her husband's over there weeping his way to God. And, and this man's jumped up and he's waving, looks like a handkerchief to me. And he goes running up the seven steps to the platform. And that next seven steps up to the top. And he said, preacher, preacher, you just ain't going to believe it. He said, but this afternoon when I left, when we broke for lunch, God said, I want you to write a check for $2,500. And when that girl gives her ring, you're to give it to redeem it back for her. He said, well, I wrote it and I put it in my Bible because I want to be faithful and obedient to the Lord. But he said, I have, and when God said the girl's going to give a ring, why? Whoever gives their ring when they go to church? I mean, nobody throws their ring in the offering plate. I mean, that ain't never, ever going to happen. But God sees what you and I can't see. And God sees giving not a matter of money. God sees it's an attitude of the heart. And God says little is much when God is in it. And the man walks up and he said to the preacher, he said, so here's my check. Hallelujah to God. That's the best thing, that's the best thing I've ever done. And he walked off shouting, God loveth a cheerful giver. And the preacher said, where's that little girl at, honey? Come get your ring. I believe it's been redeemed amen and Sunday shouted all over the place and the next thing I knew from 7 o'clock at night until about 11 they did nothing but give they were they gave thing I'm telling you they gave freezer jam that they brought down there with them that they, they gave they suitcases it was a one man went and found dust over in the corner and brought up a ball of dust and said this is what God made me from I just want to give it back to him and somebody gave hundreds of dollars just to get a ball of dust it was over in the, I, and let me tell you when the service was over the preacher said whoo y'all don't know but 
properties come for sale behind the building. And God has showed us to buy it, but we ain't got the money. And I thought, Lord, we just have about 30 or 40 people in our church. We'll never be able to afford all that money. And God's done coming here tonight and hit us with a giving service that I've never seen the like. They got enough to pay the land off, amen. They went and bought the property. God showed them to put loblolly pines on it. When the pines grew up over the years, they sold them and cut them down. It paid for the insurance. It paid for this and paid for that. Paid for the power bill for an entire year. And then the state of Mississippi came in and said, we're putting an interstate in behind the camp and we're going to buy that land from you. And the preacher said, it's not for sale. And they said, it is for sale. We're the state of Mississippi. We can very well seize it if we need to. You're going to take our offer. And he said, no. The Lord showed me I'm to give it to you when you put an exit ramp for Camp Zion, Myrtle, Mississippi, off the interstate. And they said, we ain't putting no exit ramp off the interstate for no Camp Zion in Myrtle, Mississippi. And the preacher said, well, you ain't going to get the land because God's going to tie you up and you ain't never going to get it. The only way you're going to get it is to give. And you know what? Long story short, the state of Mississippi has a big fine exit off and on in Camp Zion in Myrtle. And they got it, the land for free, amen. And now hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people are able to get on and get off. And they've come to know Jesus Christ because one little girl gave the wedding ring that she valued more than anything else. And I'm telling you all, I was there and I saw it. God does not look about money. God looks at the condition of your heart. God looks at your faith. Little is much when God is in it. Little old David was going to go face a giant. He was nine feet, nine inches tall. And David, probably 17 years old, a little old short run of a feller. But when he heard that man define God, he said, oh, no, bless God, you didn't. I come to you in the name of the Lord. He took out a rock, slung it, and knocked him right there in the head. I know he thought I ain't never had that go through my mind before. And God has just sent out the first sin-seeking missile and dropped that giant, not backwards, but on his face. There had to be a second shooter. It was a conspiracy, amen. David slung the stone and the Lord shoved him down. And David jumped on top of him and chopped his head off but good, left the carcass laid in the field and went back and said, your champion is dead. You see why? Little is much when God is in it. Little widow woman, there's in a famine, a time of great depression like the world in that day had never seen. She was out going to get her picket. The Bible says she's going to fetch two sticks to make a fire. And the man of God come walking up and he said, Make me a cake. She said, I can't make you a cake. She said, I'm out here picking up two little sticks. I've got a little handful of meal for me and my boy. When we get back, that'll be the last meal we're ever going to have. He said, honey, God said, give, make me a little cake. A little, a little, look it up. Make me a little cake first. She never questioned. She went back. She, Lord of God, opened the meal barrel. She reached her hand in there. She had a handful of meal. She went to working. She made him a cake of bread. And maybe they got a little bite of something. And the Bible said from that day forward, God used that little cruise of oil, that little handful of meal that she had. And from that day forward, the meal barrel never did run out. She ate bread, her and her boy. 
every single day while everybody else around there was starving. I mean, I didn't read this in the scripture, but CNN News went down there and said, knock, knock, lady. We want to know what's going on. Everybody else has starved to death. They've lost 50 and 100 pounds. And here you are. You're still maintaining your weight and, and your boy's growing up. How are you doing it when everybody's starving to death? And the little boy answered the door and said, well, I don't know, but I'll go get mama and she'll come out here and talk to you about it. Mama, woo! Hallelujah! Praises. Lord, what's wrong with your mama? She get a hold of electricity? No, I believe God must have done it again. He's given her another handful out of the meal barrel. Hey, little is much when God is in it. Y'all okay? I'm thinking about a multitude of people that showed up in the wilderness to hear Jesus preach. He had been long preaching and the people were starved to death and Jesus said to his disciples, he said, give them something to eat. And he looked and said, Lord, we ain't got the funds. A 200 penny worth is not enough that everybody could take a little. I mean, what are we gonna do, Lord? He said, go out and ask the people, do you have, you have anything to eat? Do you have anything to eat? Do you have anything to eat? And a little boy said, I've got my lunch. Mama packed me. I mean, just a couple of uh, fishes and, uh, and some loaves. I mean, not uh, two fishes and five little crackers. Uh, but what, and they brought that up there to the Lord. He said, Lord, we've got a little boy here wants to give you his lunch. It's just two, two, loaves, uh, two little fish and five loaves. But what is that amongst so many? And the Lord said, Father, I thank you that once again you've supplied. You see, little is much when God is in it. Amen. The Lord can take things further than you and I could ever think about it. You remember when the children of Israel, I can't quit. The children of Israel was out there in the middle of the wilderness and they were starving to death, didn't have anything to eat. They began, Moses began to beg God, said, God, we're hungry. We've left Egypt. The people are wanting to turn back. God, we need a blessing. God, we need a miracle. And they all went to bed. And when they slept, they got up the next morning and they started to go outside and they stopped and they said, what is that? It was a small round thing like hoarfrost was laying all over the ground. And somebody went and picked it up and said, Wonder, smells like honey. Taste, that's pretty good. Manna, you know what it means? What is it in Hebrew, amen? And every day for 40 years, God fed them with just a little bitty thing laying on the ground. Honey, little is much when God is in it. He's in the manna. He's in the multitude. He's in the meal barrel. They all start with M. What about that? God's good. Just what I want to say to you tonight. Little's much when God's in it. He's in the ministry. He, listen, honey, he'll help you when you don't think you can be helped. All he wants you, listen, as young as, listen, the disciples were in a storm. They thought they were going to go down. The Bible says he come walking by and he was going to pass them by and he stopped and said, be not afraid. It is I. What he's saying is I am. I am. I am. I am. Honey, let me tell you something. They called upon him and he rescued them that very night out of that storm. Listen, Jesus passing by is no light thing. Jesus passing by is no little thing. Where two or three are gathered in my name, he said, there am I in the midst and he's with us even tonight. Amen. Years ago, many, many years ago, a little girl came to Sunday school and there was no room for her, no chairs for her. It was so full. And the little girl, she walked back outside. They would, teacher wouldn't let her in. The students kind of stuck their tongue out at her. And the preacher was walking across the lower parking lot and saw her and said, honey, what's your name? She said, Hattie Mae. Hattie Mae, what are you doing out here? There's no room in the Sunday school. 
He picked her up, brought her in, said, where's your Kleist? Took her to the Kleist, said to the teacher, could you make room for me to sit down? Oh, when the preacher walked in, everybody was moving. Everybody was moving. And he said, listen, if you ain't got room for Hattie Mae, you don't have room for me. And if you can make room for me, you need to make room for Hattie Mae. And Hattie Mae got saved. And about two years later, Hattie Mae developed pneumonia, double lung. They didn't have the antibiotics to stop it, and she died. And the preacher came to her house to visit the family. And they said, preacher, you want to come back here and look around the room? Maybe it'll help you as you prepare to preach your funeral. And I've done that. It's awful. And he, he went back there and he started looking. There was a little change person hanging there. And, and the mother reached it to him and it was just open. There's a little note inside it. And he pulled the note out and it said, for the church to build a new building. And he looked down in it should say 57 cents. He said, that's all I need. He went to the pulpit. He climbed in, started to preach her funeral and told how she was burdened about her church. It was going to give 57 cents that the church might start to build and add on for Sunday school. And somebody jumped up with property for sale close by the church and said, listen, we've got property for sale over here and it's just cost 57 cents to the right buyer. And he never even took the money. He basically just gave it to the church as a donation. And the church could build a new building. They went on to, to erect a beautiful building, the Temple Baptist Church. And from that, they built a, a great college there now called Temple University. And there's the Good Samaritan Hospital that's up there in Pennsylvania. And all of those grounds on all that great campus started because one little girl had 57 cents for her church. Little's much when God is in it. You may think you're giving a lot here. You, I appreciate your hundreds and I appreciate your thousands. God bless you. We couldn't do it without you. But it just may very well be that there's a child that walks by that bucket she throws in the corner that she got for her allowance this last week and said, I'm just going to give it all to God. There may be a widow woman. There, there may be somebody that you living off Social Security and, and you gave more to the church than you could afford to give and you don't know what on earth and the devil's challenged you and said, that was a stupid thing to do. Preacher, you shouldn't say stupid. Listen, that was a foolish thing to do then. That was, but let me, that's what the devil says. That's what the devil does. But God says, I saw what you gave. I saw the attitude you gave with. Honey, I'll make sure that you're going to more than make it. I'm going to bless you beyond measure. I'm telling you tonight, somebody here in our congregation, let's move away from the money part of it. Here you are in this dark place, and you don't know what you're going to do, and you feel like you're going to give up. You've got this prayer request. You, you've got this need. You, you've got this thing that you desire, this, this object that's just the center of your attention and you're so focused on it and it just will not happen and it will not come to fruition and it's just never been answered and the devil says, just give up and just quit and God says, wait a minute. I don't see what everybody else sees. I'm ready to give you the greatest blessing of your life and you're ready to quit. You're ready to walk away. There are people tonight, you're watching from home, used to be so faithful to church and because of some prayer request that's not been answered for you, you started drifting out because you didn't get your way or your prayer request was not met. And that's a shame because God was just getting ready to do it as he was testing your faith and you walked away. Honey, I want to say to you tonight, the Lord has taken notice of your situation and is going to move in a powerful way. You stand to your feet. I'm done.
I'm done. I think about Jesus. Brother Seth, you come. You know what my Bible says? That Jesus was rich, but for your sakes he became poor because he gave everything that he had that you and I might be saved. What a Savior. I wonder as your head bowed tonight, there might be somebody here say, Lord, I want you to take my life. I would have put it on the altar for you. Lord, I know it's just a little. I know I'm undeserving. I know I'm unworthy. I know that I'm sinful. I know that I'm, I'm not profitable. But Lord, what little I am, would you use it? God, I want to give it to you. Lord, I don't have money. I just want to put my trust in you. Folks are coming. And I appreciate that tonight. That God's watching. Jesus sat at a place where he could see all 13 of those shofars around that court of the women. And he noticed that one little woman and her little feet just a shuffling. I'm just wondering, as we shuffle our way to the altar, he's paying attention just to you. Father, tonight, as we bow in your presence, Lord, I want to tell you that, Father, I don't have anything. But the Bible says that I'm supposed to give myself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is my reasonable service. Lord, too many times we've tried to claim such and such as mine. That belongs to me. I can't give it. I can't pledge it. I can't put it forward. When, Lord, it really all belongs to you, and it has the entire time. Lord, would you forgive us, Lord, of our old sinful ways, of our selfishness. Tonight, God, you're speaking to hearts. Lord, there are people tonight, Father, that need to be reminded that little is much when God is in it. People need to be reminded tonight that God doesn't see things the way people see things. People need to be reminded tonight, Lord, that we need to have an attitude that giving is about our heart. It's not about our amount. Lord, it's about our faith and our trust in you. That little woman gave everything she had and trusted you for the rest. Little Hattie Mae gave everything she had, even her life, and trusted you for the rest. Lord, we can read all through the Bible about how little is much. Lord, tonight, here we come and we bow in your presence and we say, God, will you use my life? Will you give me a testimony? Would you let me be a witness? Would you let me tonight be used for the glory of God? For this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.